Nuclear proliferation. Global pandemic. Famine. Environmental genocide. War. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham, and L. Bradley Sheaf. All aboard! <laughs> I, 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 it david crazy train and i'm sure you know why i picked that song for this week it seems like no matter what side of the aisle you may be on in the esteemed government of the united states you're nuts right crazy. you got mike flynn in the oval office screaming about needing to fight we got good old orcasio cortez claiming that ted cruz was trying to have her murdered turns out bud she wasn't even in the building well, Brad, you have just pole vaulted into our newsreel segment without even oh signposting. And this is why, if you take a look at some of the comments now, and again, we want to thank all of those listening, all those IP frequently acts out there. Um, we want to thank you. Our audience in January was the largest it's ever been. It's growing by the hundreds, um, almost maybe even the thousands in some cases all over the globe, all over the world. So thank you, that's great news. Keep listening, keep your comments coming. The one comment we have from Jamal about the newsreel segment is that we are like the McLaughlin group for the woke mob. And you've just done it, my friend. Chaos in the White House and chaos in the uh, in the Congress, people hiding in buildings where there was no one infiltrating the building. It's it must have reminded you of the green zone in Iraq. It's a, it's a buddy, I just, and then she says, well, the reason that I was afraid, even though I was, you know, nowhere near any of this activity is at some point in time, a police officer, a Capitol police officer entered her office. And apparently he had an some sort of an aggressive face, you know, and so she feared for her life again, I guess, you know, hearkening back to her sexual assault, because she didn't really know who the guy was. I, I, I guarantee you I have a little bit of experience here. I guarantee you that guy announced who he was before quote unquote bursting into her office. And he was probably in uniform. I mean, most of the Capitol Police, like most police departments are in uniform. And so, you know, it's just, uh, it's just incredible. Well, let's talk for a minute about the, the final days of the Trump presidency, because it seems like there was a lot of, uh, <laughs> a lot of uh, interesting things going on in the White House. You had General Flynn in there yelling at uh, mid-level staffers. You had the My Pillow guy running around the, uh, 
the residents, Trump going in and out, Rudy Giuliani. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like uh, that may have been a chaotic administration, Brad. <laughs> you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm hopeful that most of our, our audience, both live and via the shortwave radio, have, have had an opportunity to read that newspaper article. But it was at Wall Street Journal or was it the Washington Post? I know it started with a W. It was one of those two. It could have been both, but I know it's been covered uh, pretty much, uh, pretty much everywhere. Some of those meetings that Trump was having towards the end, President Trump was having towards the end. Yeah. Oh, actually, the one you and I were kind of bouncing around on was out of the New York Times. So credit where credit is due, New York Times. But yeah, I, I mean, all I can say coming away from that episode, AOC's, you know, just notorious need for attention is, you know, the average person in this country has to just be shaking their head. These are the folks who are nominally in charge. They're in charge of foreign policy, domestic policy, you know, who's going to, when are the kids going to go back to school? Who's going to get the vaccine? These people are in charge of that. I mean, you know, you know what's interesting though. So there there was an article in the wall street journal talking about how divided the country is. Right. Yeah. And so they, they looked at the number of states that um, where they had a senator um, of one party uh, being opposite of the party who won the presidential um, election, right? So okay. we voted for Biden and you have a Republican senator. There are like uh, six of those states where someone voted for, um, where, where the, the, the state went for Biden, but has a Republican senator or went okay. for Trump, but has a Democratic senator. Literally yeah. six are left. 94 of the senators in the United States are from states that voted for their party's presidential candidate. Right. And then the other thing that kind of struck me is that overall, you know, there are only a handful of states that has senators from two parties. Right. Mm. I mean, literally, we were we were split. Um, Most states had senators from two parties 30 years ago. Right. We had a Democratic senator and a Republican senator. Now it's it's usually one or the other. In fact, more than 90% of the time, it's more than one or the other. So the country is becoming more polarized and people we're getting in power are more idiotic mm-hmm. or insane or children, it's just a child. And the, the whole point of that long-winded explanation is that it's not gonna be getting better anytime soon. Brad, what a, what a Super Bowl. Tom Brady got his seventh ring. Um, an amazing win by Tampa Bay. Who would have thunk that uh, Tampa Bay, really the Patriots South, um, could uh, could could beat Kansas City? But Brady is truly the goat, and uh, Kansas City, uh, you know, they should be embarrassed. Well, yeah, frankly, they should be. I mean, Brady is forty three years old, but it does go to show you that if you have an experienced, skilled quarterback, that can make up for a lot of missing potentially youthful enthusiasm, which the Chiefs showed. I mean, it, not want to not take anything away from them. They they competed. They tried hard. But, uh, you know, you're just very difficult to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. And my question for you, my friend, is so if you, you have seven rings, how do you work that, right? So, I mean, obviously five of the rings are on one hand. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's hard to avoid. Although I guess you could split them up four and three if you wanted to. But where, where do the other two rings go do you go ring finger 
pointer finger on your left hand. I mean, you're Tom Brady's a married man, and presumably he wears a wedding ring on the ring finger of his of his left hand. How do you do that? You go thumb and pinky. You know, just sort of balance it out. I think you go pinky ring and maybe on the pointer. You definitely need the pinky ring. You definitely need that. I mean, that's that's what's missing on the other hand because that's the ring you point with. And when you're picked up, you know, for racketeering or whatever, that's what you need to pound on the table. So that's yeah. you okay. need. That makes sense. And that's it. Well, I tell you what, great game. I'm excited. Yeah. As we move past the first segment, IP Frequently, uh, the number one business podcast, is brought to you by IPedia, the automation of innovation, handling all your pa- patent transactional needs since 2013. Uh, IPedia. Yeah. All of them. That's it. Mic drop. Uh, next, RIP Corner Brad. We've had a very busy week, unfortunately. So I'll go through some of the names that left us this week and you can comment. Uh, Cloris Leachman, the great Cloris Leachman from the Murray Tyler Moore Show and Young Frankenstein. Larry King, your hero, uh, who I believe spoke at your high school uh, graduation. Hal Holbrook, uh, the great uh, Southern actor. And of course, Screech, played by Dustin Diamond. Uh, from Saved by the Bell, which I believe you were a recurring character on back in the early 1980s, your salad days, Waldorf being the choice. Uh, Brad, what do you say about uh, any of those uh, losses? All of them are heartbreaking um, and uh, big losses, big shoes to fill. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure any of those shoes are going to get filled, quite frankly. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to take over for Larry King, who, you know, for the record, did not speak at my high school commencement ceremony. And I don't think they're going to remake Saved by the Bell, at least not, you know, with that same cast of characters. And so, uh, you know, I'm just not sure any of those shoes are going to be filled. And I would have been happy to be on Saved by the Bell. When was Saved by the Bell running? Was that an 80s show or a 90s show? I want to say it was the 1980s. I could have sworn I saw you on that, uh, the program. Before we get to traffic and weather on the uh, sevens, uh, Brad, we have to get to our award-winning Stevie Award bronze-winning segment, um, which is much heralded and some have said has led to the dramatic increase in listenership to IP frequently. Um, That is the segment Barter Band. But this week, it's this time of year, there is a, you know, it's obviously the biggest sporting event of the the winter months and- The World Championships of Curling are, are on this week? Uh, no, Brad, of course, I'm talking about the Royal Rumble. It's where uh, oh. 30 WWF superstars get together and battle it out. Every three minutes, another one comes into the ring. Greats like Hulk Hogan, uh, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, Diamonds of Ferreira, so is Brad, um, uh, the, the Macho Man, Randy Seth. All of these superstars have won it. Um, it's, it's probably the greatest sporting event around. And to win the Royal Rumble, you have to have a certain intestinal fortitude uh, that uh, most uh, athletes would never even dream of. Um, and so the question is, should it be barred or banned? I would say neither. I would say it's a great sporting event. Uh, I, I would say it rivals the big football game uh, that uh, just happened. What about well, you? Okay. What so, do you say? Yeah. I, well, I'm glad you're excited. I know that you love you some pro wrestling and amped. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I, I, I also applaud the fact that you send the kids to bed before you put on your little speed oil and oil yourself down, put on your mask and get ready to go. But I, I do have a question for you. So the, the Royal rumble, you just said, so there's 30 people participate in this and every three minutes, one of them goes into the ring. 
Correct. So in the first three minutes, there's just one guy in there. Does he just run around or? They, they start out with two people. They in start the out ring. with two. Okay. And the and way then, you, the way you advance is you throw someone out. They have to go over the top rope and touch the floor. If they go over the top rope and don't touch the floor, then they roll back in. Or if they don't go over the top rope or if they just sit down and like turtle, um, they could win the Royal Rumble. Well, what, ha- so is it possible then that if no one goes over the top rope and touches the floor, that you wind up with 30 people in the ring at some point. It's possible. I don't think it's ever happened, but okay. it's possible. So, but, but it is not uncommon for there to be more than two, I would assume. Correct. Yeah. Well, that does actually sound entertaining. But again, so you're, what do you say? Barter band? I know. I, I agree with you. I, 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 now that I've, you know, sort of understand what happens and as long as everybody is participating voluntarily, then uh, yeah. Now what would be even better right, is if the American people could pick 30 people to be in the Royal Rumble, or perhaps even better yet, you you have 15 professional wrestlers, and then the American people can pick 15 folks they'd like to see, you know, just bodily tossed over the top rope and out onto the concrete floor and etc. That, my friend, would be a athletic extravaganza that I think would be both a feast for the eyes and for the soul. Well, there it is. So we both say neither. So that, that's a first. That is a record. And perhaps, hopefully, the folks um, in Oslo are looking at this as they uh, decree the next round of uh, Bronze Stevie Awards, because we'd like, to, we'd like to get another one. And we both said neither. So that's a first. It's never happened before. Unprecedented. And that's why more and more people are turning to IP frequently. So Brad, uh, next is pole position and you know what month it is, right? It's February. And so we've been asked by the, uh, the production crew to come up with a way to take, you know, pole position and meld it into, um, uh, you know, the, the, the theme of the month, which is obviously president's day, Lincoln and Washington were both born, um, in this month. So it's, it's as were you, my friend, let's not, of course. Well, thank you. We're not there yet. My friend, we're not there yet. That'll be a, that'll be a special episode, of course. Um, but so they've asked presidential pole position. And of course, pole position is where you take a man and a horse Mm. and you talk about what would happen if the two were to race Mm -hmm. again, same track. Okay. Same track, fast and dry, same track. Um, and in this case, what they've asked us to do is say, okay, what would happen if two presidents raced on their horses um, back in the day, right? And so the two horses that they've given us are, um, for this, this one, I assume this will be like the Royal Rumble, where we'll go through and there'll be some sort of judging using social media and uh, mirrors. And then we'll come up with, in a round-robin way, the ultimate winner of presidential poll position by the end of February. This is exciting, mm. Brad. This is exciting. And so for this episode, they've given us a president a presidential poll position. It's Zachary Taylor on his horse, right? Okay, yep. Zachary Taylor, of course, the great president who died uh, eating cherries and drinking milk on the White House lawn, a a leader in the Mexican war. His horse, Brad, was called Old Whitey. Huh. So Zachary Taylor on his horse from the Mexican war called Old Whitey. Old Whitey, okay. Against William Henry Harrison, ah. who of course is known uh, as uh, Tippy Canoe from the, the uh, War of 1812. Um, 
he actually died within 30 days of his inauguration. He marched through the streets of Washington on his way to being inaugurated um, in, uh, uh, when was this? In the early 1800s. And John Quincy Adams said, who was then the ex-president and Supreme Court justice and all that stuff, then said he had never been seen a scarier horse than the horse that William Henry Harrison rode on that day. I don't know what the name of the horse is. And let me tell you something. I've tried to find out. I put our production team on it. I've asked them to look into it. No one knows the name of the horse. So it's old Whitey against the unnamed horse and Zach Taylor on Whitey and William Henry Harrison on the other horse. Both of the presidents died in office, right? Died in office Mm -hmm. on these horses, one of which truly doesn't have a name. So he's on the horse with no name. Zach Taylor's on old Whitey. I'm going to say the nameless horse wins this race because of, as John Quincy Adams said, the mean look on the horse's face. Well, and I I would tend to agree. I mean, I don't know a lot about old Whitey. And so I certainly don't want to disparage. I mean, maybe he was, you know, had a mean streak as well. But I think if, if all you know in this situation is that the horse with no name also had a mean streak, then you know, as we're all aware, that can often give one a competitive advantage. Yeah, well, there it is. And so we both said the unnamed horse would win that race against old Whitey. So the William Henry Harrison horse advances uh, in presidential poll position. Again, presidential poll position brought to you by the New York uh, Gaming Association. Uh, Next, Brad, is one of your favorites, verse of the day. It's where we take a verse out of the good book. Uh, I pose it to you. And mm-hmm. you tell me where it is from, and you tell me its meaning. Okay. And then, and then we're going to take this and try to morph it into management corner. We're going to take okay. these two and meld them together. Okay. Um, so the verse of the day, I'm going to read this to you um, in the original Greek. Um, <laughs> how long okay. will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Yeah, yeah. That is a um, very good verse. Obviously, so everybody knows right off the bat, that is a proverb, right? And so when you when you hear a verse from scripture that sort of sounds like it is giving advice or perhaps uh, scolding a bit, there can be a number of places where that might come from. Um, there's certainly scolding that you'll find in the in the books of prophecy, but typically you're going to find that in Proverbs. And in this case, this is this one is Proverbs six nine, and then on down through eleven. This is this is one that uh, I think most folks, if they are at all inclined to read Scripture, probably are a familiar with this. Probably b know it's a proverb. They may not know exactly the site of that proverb, but this is one uh, that I like and that I use especially when, you know, talking with younger folks and particularly my own children is, Hey, you know, no one is opposed to a well-earned rest. That's not what we're talking about here. Um, but it is counsel against, you know, just being lazy, right? We're not putting your best foot forward, not taking advantage of the gifts and talents and skills that you have been given to get out there and, and make good. That's well said. So the management corner point I was going to make is that, um, the one piece of advice I'm asked is, is how, how, how do you, 
Um, how, what, what would you do if you were me, someone asking me this, I'm role playing now. Um, if, you know, if, if you had to start out, what's the one piece of advice in it? I was still get up early, you know, start your day before other people get a head start. Um, that's how you win at things. That's how you get ahead of people. Too many people, Brad, sleep in until 10, 11 o'clock in the morning. You know, they do the Facebook all night, just kick back. Um, but you should be getting up at 5 a.m. Uh, so that's that. That's both the verse of the day and management corner. Again, keep the um, uh, keep the uh, accolades uh, coming in. We uh, received a great note from the Archbishop of Canterbury about uh, the verse of the day. So that was very oh, exciting. Head of the Anglican Church. Outstanding. It's surprising. Again, yeah. you would know. Next, Brad, the week in innovation. This is where we look back into history, not traveling through time, but just looking back and uh, take a look at what uh, innovations happened at this time in history. And so, um, Brad, there are three things we wanna talk about here today, three big innovations, not all of them technical in nature, okay. um, but in 1919, around this time, the first meeting of the League of Nations took place. And obviously that worked out really well. Yeah. Um, yeah. 1938. Walked us right into World War II, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Woodrow Wilson, who, by the way, also was a racist. Um, 1938, a little bit more productive. Um, you and I have both been on the campus in Burbank, the Disney campus, and seen the first yeah. building over there. Yeah. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was released. That's literally the movie that uh, started the whole Disney uh, uh, juggernaut, which continues to this day. And the invention of the Barbie doll. Brad, I know you had many of these when you were young, only the Ken variety dressed as G.I. Joe, um, as did I. Now, Brad, we go to your favorite segment. It's only been around for one week. Uh, and this week, we've got a, a really nice, I mean, this is picked, Brad, randomly out of thousands of letters that were received from all over the world. Now, we automatically discard, for those of you who want to know how we go through and filter, we discard anything uh, not written in English because we don't understand it. Uh, and then we just start with that smaller subset. And then we just sort of pick out of a big wheel, like uh, the old bingo. You've been to bingo before. I have, actually, yeah. Well, that's how we do it. We big drums and we roll in and there's a big, big production. And we have, we'll have some, some, some Zima sit around, maybe a pizza. I don't know. But again, this is the letter that came out and uh, I'll read it. Uh, Dear Brad, I love your show and the way you are taking on relationship advice. It's really nice of you. My husband, Bill, continues to torture me with his behavior. It continues on and on. Don't get me wrong. He is not abusive, but he keeps running around with other young women in his office. It's troubling. Anyway, I would like to ask you a question. Um, do you have a favorite wood chipper? Uh, I would need one that I could secure to the bottom of a 15-foot uh, boat and that is battery-powered as I won't have access to conventional power. Also, do you have a recommendation for a high-potency industrial cleaning solution? Thank you, Brad, for all you do. Hillary from White Plants. Well, buddy, it's always good to hear from Hillary. You know, we, we heard from her last week. It sounds like things are sort of continuing down the same path. It's almost and like your advice wasn't uh, didn't, didn't take last week because this does seem, and again, I, this was picked randomly out of a drum, but of course we all had some Zimas, so that could be crazy. But it seems like this is not going the direction one would hope, or maybe it is. Well, man, you know, again, I mean, you know, we here on IP Frequently do not advocate 
you know, doing away with one's spouse in any form or fashion. And, you know, it sounds like Hillary may be contemplating not only doing away with her spouse, Bill, but potentially running him through uh, what she apparently conceives to be a battery operated wood chipper. Now, I'm not to the bottom of a boat. Secure to the bottom of a of a 15 foot skiff of some sort. But now I, you know, Hillary, I, again, I think what you said early in your letter is salient here, right? I mean, he's not bothering you. Um, I think if you were to look in the mirror, you would probably recognize that you've, you know, sort of lost a step maybe, or, you know, a few miles off the old fastball, if you know what I'm saying. And so if, you know, Bill is out cavorting as he sounds like he has traditionally done, uh, perhaps it's for the better for everyone. I mean, I I don't know that you're necessarily as interested in him as perhaps you once were, Ah. Um, you know, and so, you know, maybe his interest is slipping as well. And so maybe we're on a two-way street here and, you know, rarely on a two-way street, is it beneficial for you to sort of pull off and go down the blind alley of the skiff mounted battery operated wood chipper subsequently immersed in commercial cleaning fluid, right? That's, that's rarely a road that leads back to the path to happiness. And so I think Hillary, you're going to want to rethink that. And not only is it not a good idea in general, it's also very impractical. And so I would perhaps look at the glass as being half full and say, well, you know, I don't have Bill pestering me for services I don't want to render, if you will. Well, that's pretty, that's pretty uh, blunt, um, Brad, but that's, again, good relationship advice. And that's what you get in the relationship corner. Uh, I will say, Hillary, Brad will be DMing you with specific uh, product names and specifications, along with some Groupon links uh, for said products. IP Frequently brought to you by Ipedia, the automation of innovation in Zima, that cool, refreshing drink of choice, Brad, of Ipedia and the IP Frequently family. Anyway, uh, we end where we began, right? In the past with Time Machine. We all know what happened on March 4th of 1841. It was the great day that uh, William Henry Harrison was inaugurated president. And we're sending you back al fresco with Mm -hmm. a four pack of zima Mm -hmm. and a parka current history currently died on march 28th of 1841 so it wasn't even 30 days but you're there you got four zimas you got a parka do you save william henry harrison by maybe giving him a zima or the parka do you let this all happen do you try to somehow uh cozy up to the horse what do you do brad oh this is easy right so you, you definitely give the zima to the president Right. I mean, first of all, the president deserves the Zima. I don't think anybody's going to argue with that. And, you know, it, it provides for him a little, you know, fortitude from the inside out, if you will. Right. And so, I mean, there are two ways to warm oneself. You can warm oneself from the outside in, perhaps by doing something like wearing a parka, or you can warm yourself from the inside out by drinking a Zima. Right. And so this is easy. I, I keep a Zima because the president may be concerned about the glass bottle, about how the way the lid works, the fact that the content is alcoholic, all of these things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep one so that I can demonstrate it is not dangerous. 
I give the other three Zima to the president and I strongly encourage him to enjoy. Meanwhile, I throw the parka over the horse because you and I, buddy, have money on this horse. I don't know the horse's name. Perhaps if I were back there, I could inquire as to the horse's name. Maybe the horse doesn't have a name. It really doesn't matter. But while the president is enjoying the Zima, I throw the parka over the horse, make sure it stays warm, make sure it's able to maintain that advantage it gains from that mean streak, right? I don't want it shivering its way out of a mean streak. And that sets the table for a potentially much longer Harrison presidency. Who knows what that would bring? Perhaps it would result in the destruction of space-time as we know it, but you know, we're, those are the risks we take when time traveling. But certainly we want to preserve the health, welfare, and mean streak of the nameless horse so that you and I can secure that victory low these you know, many decades later. That's perfect. And then if you could travel back with the horse, you and I could maybe take it out uh, and go through the desert on the horse with no name. And- so that that's it. We've we've got President Harrison some Zima. The horse is being well warmed by the parka. We've positioned ourselves well for both purposes of preserving the Harrison presidency and winning our bet, both of which are probably of equal importance at this point. And we appreciate everybody coming along for the ride as always. We look forward to getting out there and being able to cavort a bit with our studio audience. And for those of you not here in the studio, we appreciate you listening and we'll see you again next week on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.